Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member The Stranger explains why he has always been in a rush. From finishing college in just 20 months to landing a key internship before his MSF in order to position himself to break into investment banking, to prepping for buy-side interviews, he was always moving fast until the unexpected happened. Some great advice in this podcast on positioning yourself for your next career jump and life in general. Enjoy. The Stranger, thanks for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So it'd be great if you could just give us a brief uh, overview of your background. Sure. Um, So I did my undergraduate work at a uh, top 50 public school in the Southeast. Um, At the time, I thought I was going to be going to law school, and so took a year off to try and do that and wound up deciding finance was my stick. So did an MSF at a semi-target, after which I was able to successfully make it to a middle market investment banking firm. After spending about a year and nine months there, I broke in um, to a large hedge fund of funds based in New York. Um, And then after just under two years there, um, decided I wanted to get a little closer to the action and broke uh, broke into VC specifically at a healthcare focus fund. Very cool. Okay, so let's go back to undergrad. Um, you said you wanted to go to law school, so you took some time off. What was what was the thinking there? Yeah, um, I sort of just. I didn't Are, you Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Going to law school? I'm not yeah. just kidding. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. No, no, no. I was always one of those kids. I guess that was argumentative, and so for a long time was just told sort of. Um, you have to you be know, a lawyer. Go be a lawyer. Go be a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. And then so, um, you know, and, and I've always been a little impatient. So uh, mm-hmm. I decided I would get done with my undergrad real quickly. So I, I graduated in like 20 months from start to finish. Oh, my gosh. Um, That's intense. And, and the, the game plan was, you know, going to study for the LSAT. And I had taken a, uh, an internship at the law school doing like stuff um, for one of the antitrust um, guys there mm-hmm. and realized like I, I liked the economic side of that way more than I liked um, parsing the legalese. Uh, so at that point, I said, okay, uh, let me pump the brakes. I'm going to go spend a year. had to work a really kind of dead-end kind of operations role at a small brokerage firm while I applied mm-hmm. um, and you know, was lucky enough to get into the, the program that I did. The banking program, you mean, or the, the you mean the MSF program? The MSF, yeah, yeah the yeah. MSF, yeah. So, so did, then did a one year MSF, um, after which I broke into banking. So you were in a rush. So you basically twenty months. That's crazy. So you did four years of credits in twenty months. Yeah, it was. Uh, 
like looking back. What's the rush? Are you want to enjoy your undergrad or no? What was kind of, what do you think? Was it financial? Was it something where like you didn't want to actually pay for four years or was, is it like more, I assume it's more economical because you're, you know, you only have a couple of years of like housing costs and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was a confluence of factors. What I would say is, so I think the the proximate thing, um, so again, I was convinced I was going to law school. And Mm -hmm. so to me, like this undergrad stuff was totally irrelevant, right? I was just kind of doing something so that I could, I could meet the requirements for law school. Got it. So that was, so there was, so I had that bias. And then, um, my parents are actually professors, um, and, and specifically my, my mother and stepfather were professors at the university I was at. Um, and they were thinking about moving, which would have jeopardized my in-state tuition I qualified for there. Um, so like oh, I was wow. looking at starting to pay Clock Ivy t- League tuition for <laughs> state school. Clock was, I was ticking. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So there was financial consideration there. That's why you were kind of pushing hard. Um, yeah, that, that and, was it, it, yeah. and just for the record, I'm not going to say what your GPA was, but it was pretty good considering you jammed so much in such a short time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I like to think so. <laughs> yeah. So you um, okay? So you got you got into you figured out okay. Wait a second, like the economic side more. <clears throat> Let me go get an MSF. You know, the MSF is kind of an interesting degree. It's kind of especially back when you got it, it was kind of new, right? I mean, what was the thought process around or the research around that and thinking, hey, this is a, a good step for me? Yeah, I mean, I think um, for me, it was sort of there was no other option, right? I Keep in mind, um, even after spending a year kind of working in this, um, what, I, what I will call a, a back office um, role, uh, you know, I was still only... 20 and a half or something and had like almost no directly applicable finance experience. Right. So I think for me, it was sort of do this or, um, and, and I was, you know, not anywhere. I mean, I was in North Florida. Um, so I think for me, it was sort of the only path in, um, but was you know, banking like uh, the goal? Was it like, oh, I know I want to do yeah, banking? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so I actually found the site. I found this site during my um, less industrious time in this back office role. Um, and that- Trying that to figure out how to go out, get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there's exactly. a thread like how to get out of back office. There's just some really funny, famous thread about like <laughs> back office where like careers go to die or something like that. But um, yeah, no, uh, no hate to the back office people. I think, you know, it's- it can be a good career if you want something more chill and to do side projects as well and have a, have a life. But okay. So you're, you're in the back office. You think I want more, I'm going to go get this MSF and you figure MSF is decent because, Hey, you looked at some placement stats and you thought they actually are placing some kids into banking or did you not even think that far ahead? No, I mean, that's exactly, that's the way I titrated it. I mean, I I did spend some time on a TNA site, so shout out to him. Um, Mm -hmm. look through that stuff. Um, you know, I think for me, it also, um, I looked at it as, um, like I was really proactive. So I was able to like land a internship at a large, um, fixed income, um, like asset management shop that was in, in the local market where my MSF was sort of in advance of arriving, of, of arriving. So I basically like the minute I got accepted, started spamming out my resume with that heading on it. Um, and, and so like, I felt like I had already moved up in the world by having that internship. Um, you had the internship, like you, knew the you, the, you knew you were gonna get the, you knew you were gonna get the MSF. So you, can you talk to me a little bit about that, about, you know, you say you're spamming everybody in the area. So you would, as soon as you got accepted, you put Wash so like, U. 
Yeah, watch yeah, you yeah. expected graduation date 2000 whatever it was 14 or whatever and then you basically yeah, yeah. said like you started reaching out to people exactly. saying hey I'd love to do an internship when like when like so explain to me the timing so you get on a campus what September Yeah so I actually so I think we had some like some pre they call them pre courses that we had to do starting mm-hmm. in July Yep um but I took off from my gig before that in like May so I was I was like ready to go and sending out um, like like when I was you know doing the thing where I was happy to get coffee, meet, do whatever I needed to do, um, and I I was lucky to find uh, the shop which was um, you know had a lot had a big segment of WashU alumni at it, mm-hmm. um, and and just and so like at that point right like I'd been a little on the fence um, about you know because it's it, you know like most MSF it's an expensive degree. Um, but, uh, you know, at that point, like I'd sort of already seen the lift from the brand. And so I was pretty convinced. Got it. So you had the internship. Um, it would have been funny if you got that internship, then pulled out of the MSF just to save yourself. the money. (laughs) (laughs) It's a new hack. It's a new hack. That would have been an awkward conversation. (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) No, yes, for sure. Uh, So, okay. You get the internship. Is that internship like before or during your MSF or is it right after? Is it considered to be like right after and then? hopefully turns into full-time yeah it was concurrent so uh mm-hmm. i actually started at my my first day was actually before i like actually stepped into my first class session got it um so they took a chance on me but it was great and you know um i i learned a ton actually why do you think you did that like who did you connect with in the sense of like was it just one of these cold email coffee chat people you you, you went there and you just started meeting with people right so was it one of these people you just met randomly or was it kind of through a friend of a friend yeah, it was very much random. It was one of those things where I think, like, they, the story was weird enough to them that they took the, that they took the coffee, <laughs> and then I sort of pitched them on my ability to be self-starter, like, look, I, you know, I, I you know, did this undergraduate thing in two years, I've since gotten, you know, like, studied on my own and got some brokerage licenses, um, you know, sort of on my own time. Yep. Uh, I have like a real passion for this and, and, you know, you won't, you won't have to hold my hand. Um, I can actually like be valuable to you. Um, you know, so that was, that was the, that was the pitch. Did you think you were valuable to them being honest? looking back <laughs> uh no i think i mean I, I think i did some i did some necessary work i don't i don't think it's um it wasn't you know, like looking back I it mean, wasn't I, a game changing it wasn't a game changing uh <laughs> internship for them <laughs> no i did not i did not change the, the course of that that whole shift that is not the case okay so talk to me a little bit about so you're you're getting the msf you're going to classes you do an internship and you're recruiting now for like your full-time gig all at once. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it, is it crazy? It was a stressful period. Okay. So tell me about the recruiting for banking out of the MSF because I haven't had a guest on here talk to me about that, and I'd be curious. I know what it's like at MBA programs, but I've heard a mixed bag. I've heard that people who go to the MSF that are you know obviously networking really hard actually have some decent success, especially if they have no visa issues, whereas international students tend to struggle a lot more. Um, any thoughts on that? And then yeah, just if you could dive right into the whole. IB recruiting from an MSF, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So I think high level, um, the biggest thing that you touched on that I would note is um, the, the the visa status, like probably the easiest filter, like if you wanted to separate out the kids that uh, were successful from the ones that were not, like that's the, that's the number one, mm-hmm. um, number one indicator. I think um, 
you know, everyone had to network maybe harder than you would in either undergrad or uh, MBA. I always like jokingly referred to our program as like a bastard child um, <laughs> where like the, the MBA guys didn't want you taking their OCR and grad students didn't really want you doing that either. Um, so I think there was on average a lot more legwork involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, to, to me, I think, you know, that's almost always the case anyway. Right. Because even if you're at like one of these really good target programs, like you still have to put in the work to get the outcomes that are going to seem relative to what everyone else is doing. Really exciting. Right. Um, so I think I think that's a big part of it. Um, and again, I think the other thing that I worked really hard to capitalize on um, was moving fast. Again, that's sort of why I, I kind of pulled forward this whole internship thing in a kind of maniac way Mm -hmm. um, was because I wanted to have that on my resume um, with enough time that like I could say, yeah, I've been there. You can call, I can give you some names, someone to call. Um, And would that be like if if you started in June or do you start in June? That was a guess, but you started in June at this point. Yeah, yeah, June. So you start there, then you have probably a few months before, I mean, were banks actually coming on campus for the MSF or you had to kind of just try and get whatever the MBAs were getting? Like, how did that work? So we had, yeah, we had, um, so we did, we obviously had access to the same kind of like OCR website, right. and some limited kind of on campus stuff. Um, you know, obviously WashU is in St. Louis. So uh, we had some people come in from Stiefel, mm-hmm. um, that sort of thing. Um, it's not like, like Goldman wasn't flying out to meet with the MSF students <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so again, I think, you know, I think at that point, like the things I focused on, and this is what I would really, um, anyone who's focused on, especially banking out of an MSF program, the things I would focus on it are um, the number one reason why um, people should get an MSF if they're going into banking is because they don't have good internship experience, right? Um, so that's the first thing to fix. Uh, the second thing to do is I, I really advise people, even if you felt like you could kind of place out of some of these prep work classes that I'm going to call them. So these are like intro to accounting, um, you know, uh, some other kind of just basic, make sure that you can balance the balance sheet kind of classes. Um, Take those even if you nominally qualify not to. They should be easy A's. So if the summer, you're only going to be taking a couple of classes. So I I went in with a a 4.0 on my resume showing the ability to get an internship. Um, And, and, you know, that, that that was the way I was perceived as opposed to a lot of people who, you know, you, by the time August rolled around, had, had you know, had nothing. Wait, so how were you able to put a 4 on your resume um, if you were, when did, the, when did the recruiting start, like second semester? Are you talking about like when you were recruiting? So, the, so these, we had these mini classes, right? Ah, uh, um, okay. This, what I'm calling the prep work, right? So, yep. and again, you know, they're relevant classes. I mean, it was all accounting and finance. This stuff. is great. Um, so you take those, you get an A and you put 4.0 on your GPA under your MSF. So it looks impressive. Yeah, and exactly. And then yeah. like the true fall That's courses smart. didn't didn't even start till September. Um, so I didn't really have to worry about jeopardizing, um, yep. you know, my coursework when I was recruiting. And so when was uh, Stiefel coming on campus around September, October? I think it was like right at the end of August, early September. Oh, it's but early. So it was early. So it was, it's early. Wow. So, yeah, it was, it was a little early because um, mm-hmm. they were local, right? Yeah. Um, and then I had more people filter in, you know, we had more people filter in, you know, sort of a lot of um, like BMO, I remember. Um, mm-hmm. I remember some SunTrust people at least, like they would at least have one guy that came in um, and talked to us. Um, and so that, 
you know, that was probably my big focus for those. I mean, it was a real sprint for that one and a half months. Yeah, and the MSF, they're still expecting you to come in as an analyst, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the, the pitch, you know, I had to make was like, yeah, I don't maybe have, um, you know, maybe this not as, doesn't fit the, the mold as well. But, like, look at all these things I've done, right? So I made a big pitch about, like, basically work ethic and ability to be efficient. Yeah, under which pressure, what, which is what matters. Was, was man, sort of the, the truck. I mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which was, which is, and, and people appreciated that. Yeah. As long as you're like, show them that you're willing to be a workhorse, and you have a base level, <laughs> baseline level of like intelligence that they're looking for. Which I think it was really smart to kind of get those classes, those easy classes, in quickly, so you could even put that on your resume. Because then you're showing a couple kind of like standout things on your resume. The quick undergrad, like 20 months, which is kind of like a wow. And then the and then mm -hmm. the 4.0, it's like another like okay, check that check that intelligence box. You know what I mean? And then just you probably had yeah. your pitch down, so it doesn't surprise me that you you landed um, where you did. So okay, so it sounds like you did you land a lot of first round interviews outside of OCR? What was what else happened? Yeah, so I I managed to get I actually like kind of found out during this process um, that I had a. Um, my my uncle's wife now actually ex-wife um is uh it was the cfo of a large organic foods company based in colorado okay and she had some sort of what i would call um she had some i'll call warm handoff she could do for me it wasn't like uh, she you know she was not like a, a poor client um, for these for these investment banks, I think she maybe had some like revolvers and stuff, but it wasn't like she had done some human right, right, right. nature transactions. Right. Um, but it was enough. It was enough to get people to look at my resume. Right. Um, and so that that juiced that juiced the process a little bit for me too. And was that at um, the same kind of set of banks that had come on to campus, or was that a set of other banks? I got a couple of like I remember I I, I got into some like first rounds with some elite boutiques, but like uh -huh. to be candid, I, I I I'm would not be shocked if the answer was just I mean keep in mind at this point I'd had you know I'd done econ undergrad so it maybe had like one financial accounting class. So you got did you get the, blown out of the water the with the technicals? Stuff. Be honest. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, I did. Like I, I mean, I had the guides and I'd gone through them, but yeah. it was one of those things where I think especially because I was you know sort of pushing this narrative hard of, uh, you know, I'm a grad student and I'm going to know all these things. Like oh, that, you must that, have gotten uh, fried didn't, didn't on some of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I tough, man. I, yeah, I got, I got totally blown out of the water. <laughs> well, that's the tough part, man, because, like, you're trying to play that balance of saying, hey, I'm a, I have a master's in finance. And they're like, oh, yeah? Like, what about this? And you're like, oh, shit, that's actually <laughs> really complicated. Um, okay, well, that's, yeah. that's fair. So you got blown out of some elite boutiques because – they were like, who does this kid think he is? Because you were telling this this story, whatever. It, it seemed to have worked well enough. You landed on your feet. You got a banking job. Uh, mission accomplished, right? Um, and tell me a little bit about, yep. about that. Like, so what was that transition like? And um, yeah, what was your perspective? Yeah, I think um, so. And this is going to sound um, maybe pretty lame to like avid, avid readers on the site, um, but I think that the biggest Thing I observed very quickly after starting was um, the, the variability between groups, especially when you're outside of like the really top banks, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what I mean, what I mean by that is like, um, you know, there were there were groups um, that my peers got placed into 
um, that could be good groups, like not like not like you know, I'm not talking about like maybe a, like an asset-based lending group or something that's all, maybe always a little bit off spec for people that want to do like true standard investment banking. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm talking about like consumer and retail, where there was just, I mean, I think there was maybe like one M and A transaction done by that group the whole like, whole time I was there, right? Got it. And so it's like. It's, it's, I think that's probably the biggest thing I would emphasize to people that are going um, to like uh, a, a middle market bank, especially, um, is just kind of know the group you're going into and have like a, like from day one, start thinking about what. Um, Did you know that? Did you have like, leverage going in of kind of trying to direct yourself into the, the quote right group or, or the, the group with the most active transaction or the most live deals? So. I, I'm going to be candid because, you know, that's what we've no, been yeah, doing. Um, I really, I really wanted, I mean, I was pretty dead set on, I, I didn't have a particular industry I was interested in at the time. Mm-hmm. So for me going in, it was, it was, you know, I was all about the, uh, the M&A and the, the leverage finance groups. Yep. Um, didn't, didn't land there. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, uh, we could talk about, um, you know, I was coming from a university that even though this was a middle market bank, like I was like the only one in my class from the university I was coming into. Right. So it wasn't necessarily uh, um, uh, didn't didn't have like the uh, like the the brand inside these groups to really edge out any favorites, um, but did land in a sponsors group, right? Yep. And that was that was exciting. And I think the thing that I focused on, and this is part of what I mean about um, sort of once you land, thinking about how to pitch your experience was, um, you know, when you're in a when you're in a coverage group that's a financial sponsors group that's a coverage group right mm-hmm. um you get really one valuable thing out of that right and that is you get to spend a lot of face time with senior level private equity guys and you get to understand sort of the what i'm going to call the business side of pe yep. as opposed to the transaction side of pe mm-hmm. um and so i i immediately honed in on that um and started thinking about how that could be um you know, effectively parlayed for for whatever step was coming next, right? Which is right. which is why I landed in a in a kind of fund to fund LP type um, LP investing uh, situation after that. So, right? how long at um, your at this middle market bank did it take you for to kind of like figure out that hey, this is actually a decent group to be in because you were getting exposure to these private equity clients and 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 what made you th- did you know like IBPE was kind of what you wanted to do? Did were you brainwashed by Wall Street Oasis early on? <laughs> like, this is the path I'm going to, I hope not. I hope that's not the answer. But, um, you know, is that something where you had kind of already determined um, before going into banking? Or like you were so just set on banking, 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 you got it. And then it was just like you lifted your head up. Yeah, so I was I mean, so I was focused on the banking. Um, like my reason for going into banking was, I think, kind of the normal one, which is I just wanted, I knew I needed skills, right? I knew yep. I liked finance, knew I needed skills. Um, and there was there was sort of a, a broad spectrum of things that um, that that could have probably made me happy. In fact, that's the thing I was most interested at the time, which I think is consistent with where I wound up now. Is uh, I was really interested in um, either either doing kind of early stage venture stuff in healthcare or um, joining a startup. Like I had a, a buddy that co-founded a, um, a brain computer a brain computer interface. Um, business and like I was super interested in going to work on that right yep um, so this is what I was like so this, I land day one I don't I don't get healthcare. I don't get M&A I don't get left in um, and so the path from like financial sponsors which is you know like 
later stage PE guys, right? Right. Um, to that does not does not look obvious. Yeah. Um, so what I did was, you know, this again comes back to sort of the pragmatic approach I, I consistently try to take, and I would recommend people that are young try and take too. Was I just said, okay, I, I kind of have these assets, right? The assets I have are like I had an early interaction where like one of my bosses was running late for a kind of a check-in meeting with a um, with a, um, a middle market PE firm um, in the part, you know, the guys in the room, um, except for me, were all from this firm and they were all like XKKR, right? Yeah. So I sort of had to make small talk with these guys and, and talk with them and, and, and I didn't know anything, right? I'd kind of <laughs> just gotten through the first three months, you know, I was barely on the desk, right? What did you talk um, about? But, sports or like the weather? I mean, <laughs> what did you even bring up? That would be like a deer in the headlights um, for a lot of people, I think. I think the 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 funny thing that we got to talk about was because this was um, this was down in Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is the the funny thing we got to talk about was uh, one of the guys had almost been like ticketed for jaywalking, and he was so <laughs> taken aback by the fact that you could still get ticketed for that, right? So we spent, I, I mean, and I was new to Atlanta, like I'd been again in Atlanta for maybe three or four months, so I think we spent about we spent about ten minutes just sort of riffing about the south and how weird that probably is if you're coming from new york city yeah or boston um, yeah i would we i would always run across people run across the street all the time and almost get hit but yeah anyways so yeah <laughs> okay so it's yeah, just small so talk I, I told him i told him if you think atlanta's weird wait till you get to north florida um i can tell you some stories so it was, it was like i said it was, it was a fun conversation cool okay so you're you're there you're you're kind of interacting with clients it's kind of interesting um you're doing some actual live deals i assume um, mm-hmm. and then, so yeah, tell me kind of what kind of opened up that next opportunity for you, kind of what led you to that and when did you start looking or did it kind of just fall in, into place at a, at a certain time? Yeah. Um, so I would say, I would say the, so the one piece that I left out, so as far as like the setup for how I got the job, I think the other thing that I should really stress, yep. um, for, for, for the young, either about to be bankers or, or first years um, is if you sort of keep your head down and even if you're like in a group like let's say like mine right where maybe you don't feel like you're getting um, the the level of like um, exposure to certain products or whatever um, that, that you dreamed of you know when you were studying for your interviews um, the key is to like have a really good attitude about it um, and build relationships with the senior guys in your group they've almost always like been in the group for a while um, and if you really say, hey, look, I've demonstrated I can do what I need to do as an analyst for this group, I'd like to take on some projects. Um, you know, like for me, it was doing some self-side M&A stuff. Um, oh, so you happen, did do that. Right? You did do, go to your seniors and actually get to do some self-side M&A, even though you weren't in that group. You you eventually yeah, had yeah, the cloud, exactly. like after, what, a year or yeah. so or like nine months? What did you feel like that was a good time? Uh, I waited till I was through my first review, right? So I basically waited for them to say to me, "You're doing yeah, great." You know, yeah. you're you're doing everything you need to do, firing off cylinders. And I said, "That's great. I think I can do more." Here's what it is, right? Yeah, was 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 the, the sort of the bullet points. Um, great. And again, it wouldn't have worked if it, if I actually just been doing my job and actually, like, if I just done my job and hadn't gone out of my way to like, make friends with those guys, mm-hmm. um, I think it would have been a different conversation. Yeah, no, for sure. So they kind of felt like, okay, well, yeah, I guess we can throw you a bone over here and get you something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of those things, which is exactly. good, which is actually really smart because then you at least get that on your resume, you know? Um, 
and so it makes you more well-rounded. Okay, so tell me, did that did that help getting that experience for the next jump? Or yeah, let's let's go there. It, it did. It did because um, so it did. So so it did because number one, it just gave me a lot of confidence, right? In the sense that like I did it, I knew I could handle it at that point. So I was like less worried that later on down, like I knew I would never be as solid as somebody who, you know, lived and breathed M and A for you know years um but at least i like i knew i could i could handle it right Mm -hmm. i think that was maybe the the most important thing um and then you know i sort of sort of looked around at what um you know what my options were thought about what my priorities were and the big two were uh i really would like to make it to the um you know my options were basically try to break to the buy side lateral to a different bank lateral to a different group in my own bank right yep out of the three I was most focused on, um, you know, the buy side, but maybe even the more important filter was um, really wanted to make it up to New York, right? Um, I just, I knew that that's a, that's a big indicator for a lot of people. Um, and so that, that and I was, you know, again, sort of leveraging these relationships I had built. I was working. Um, when you say you it's know, a big indicator and, for a lot of people, what do you mean by that? Like it just looks good if you're in New York? Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And like, um, you know, I've I've now been in the position where I worked in New York for two years, and I've and I've now moved to the Midwest, and I am in the middle of sort of talking through some. Um, I talked with some recruiters about um, you know potential jobs both on the West Coast and the East Coast, and every single one of them says, "Well, you're not here. Oh, but I see you did that, right?" And it it, it is almost 100% of the time it comes up. Um, so again. I'm not saying it couldn't, you couldn't make it work without you ha- it. You have some um, ties back like, to New York, which really helps you get back there if you want to, is the point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was so, a de-risking move for me. Yeah. No, for sure, because it's the biggest market for jobs and whatever. So it's always having that, having those couple of years there is, is smart. Um, okay. So yeah, sorry, continue. So you you kind of this job. Yeah, so, again, yeah, so go ahead. Yeah. So I, I, I um, you know, sort of cast a broad net. Um, and I'll focus on where I was successful, right? Which was this large, um, fund of funds, right? And there, a lot of my pitch was around a couple of things, right? Um, number one, uh, you know, it's kind of the same stick I'd been using, right? Of smart guy, look, I can work hard under pressure. Um, number two was, uh, this, this bit about the, um, you know, big component of understanding, um, how fund of funds work. There's a lot of overlap with covering financial sponsors, right? You have coverage over these investment managers. Mm-hmm. You need to think about um, things like fundraising, um, AUM, stability of the operating company, right? So, so again, I was emphasizing sort of I, I have some, some broad familiarity with a lot of these issues, which also affect your business. Um, and, and by the way, I've got, you know, I, I've got, I can do the modeling, right? Um, and, and I have this MSF and I took some, kind of high level staff classes. So if you need me to do um, some fancy stuff um, in Excel or, or in, you know, like MATLAB, that that's within my purview as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they like to hear so that. So again, it was sort of like that. Yeah. 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 So it was sort of cobbling together like this whole host of things that like, you know, um, if I think back to the, you know, 18 or 19 year old kid that like thought he had the world figured out and was going to go to law school, like it was sort of a, a weird clunky way to get there, but it made it work. I think um, an important part about that to highlight is you really, you're very specific about how your experience previously would translate to direct value for that specific firm. I think so many people get into like, I'm a hard worker, I'm this, and I'll be good. 
for me and you know i think i'll be i'll be great and they don't really focus on what's the specific things that are translatable that that you're going to bring day one you know what i mean yeah yeah i think that's absolutely right and i think like and this is something i I actually like i I wanted to emphasize when i was thinking about prepping for this call is um you know it's sort of fine to to play the numbers game early in your career um but 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 you got to segment out what you view as high value opportunities. And for those, it's super important to, to come in with a really strong idea of what you bring to the table that can add value day one, right? And be able to articulate where the gaps are that you have, right? I've actually sometimes had more success mm-hmm. being able to clearly articulate like, hey, by the way, here's the one piece of, of what I would assume, you know, you guys really need that I'm gonna have to develop on, right? Because I think um, that's great. Yeah, but it's it's showing self awareness that a lot of people don't yeah, do. They over it, instead of overselling, you say, "I know I need this, but I have all these other things too." But that I'm ready, you know. And so it almost makes it more believable. It's like seeing a four point two star rating instead of seeing all five star ratings. The four point two almost makes you buy more and believe it more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and especially yep. especially if you couch it in like, "By the way, this is one of the reasons why I'm really excited." To join your firm yeah. because I, I know I have this area I don't I haven't had a lot of exposure to and I'm excited to grow that right yeah um, and, and and that way it almost repositions it as a as a, as a way to combat sort of a, any kind of flight risk um, signaling that you that, that happens a lot in finance talk to me about that what do you mean I, I didn't mean that last flight risk why would why would saying oh flight risk meaning you're saying there's a lot of stuff I actually want to learn at your specific company so I'm less of a flight risk so you kind of minimize that yeah, it, potential uh, exactly. concern got it exactly yep, like you're, you're already yeah yeah you're, you're explaining why you want to work for them in a way that doesn't sound like canned got it okay so yeah tell me about this uh, new role and what was it like yeah so on it was super interesting I mean I, I got a little lucky um, the limited amount of um, interactions i've had with people that um at other fund of funds um it sounds like it might have been a little different um we were sort of one of the top fund of funds if you will by, by performance and by asset size so mm-hmm. this was you know 20 billion dollar fund which is a lot mm-hmm. um and so there were probably so i got lucky just by number one going to a kind of a top pedigree um institution um that, you know, so lots of smart people, a lot of people that I could learn from. So that was exciting. Um, again, you know, sort of referencing back to this experience I had in sponsors, um, even if you're not doing a lot of the, the direct um, hand-to-hand combat, you're still getting the opportunity to meet with some of the smartest people in in the financial world. But right? did you feel at this um, point so you might get pigeonholed into fund-to-funds? Because I, I think that's a big fear a lot of people have when they go to fund-to-funds. Is, you know, oh, it was absolutely a fear I had. Yeah. So yeah. you knew that yeah, going was, in, was, you're like, this could be, uh, this could be a problem later on. You knew that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I think my my, the way I the way I framed it to myself, right, was like number one, I was sort of in this group where, yeah, I'd been able to to kind of negotiate my way into some one off transactions, mm-hmm. um, and that was great, but um, still was not gonna stack up against. Um, you know, somebody who'd been doing it all the time, right? So I don't, I wasn't going to be able to make the I'm a technical wizard pitch right. um, just based on my, my existing banking group, right? And, um, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, so so it wasn't really a loss as far as developing my technical chops. Um, I was moving to a better market. Um, and two... Um, you're and, you're and getting to three, New York. Like you're getting to New York. Your yeah. opportunities are unlimited. 
you know, at least be able to network yeah. better with people there. That's probably the thought process. I'm guessing that was some of the thought process. But then specifically, like when you said you were going to get some technical, like, did you feel like the work you were going to get there was actually, I mean, you're not, you're not really analyzing deals as much as you're analyzing the funds themselves, right? When you're at the so fund. This fund? is another part. This is, a, this is so, you know, I think in every one of these stories, there's a big luck component. Yep. And this is probably the biggest, one of the biggest sources of luck I have this whole way along. Um, the, the fund of funds I was at had some pretty large uh, private equity co-investments uh. that I got staffed on. Um, so I got to be sort of a silent board observer for a large multi-billion dollar natural um, gas company, which we had a half half a um, like a half billion slug into. Wow. Um, so like like you know big exposure. They were doing tons of M and A by nature of their kind of their industry. So even if it wasn't maybe as um, as granular as you would see for like a true like PE fund, um, I was still evaluating these transactions. Similarly, got staffed on a big um, like music publishing rights company. Were you actually building LBOs and were you building LBOs and like putting actual investment committee memos together for them or? So, so I would say it was more like I was putting together memos. I don't think like we usually had um, we usually had some kind of basic operating model. Yeah, it was sort of my job to sort of um, kind of sensitize and diligence the transaction but like a lot of the like a lot of the like a lot of the calls like a lot of the what i would call like the um so maybe not as as tough on the technicals but still going through a lot of the same steps as far as um understanding strategic rationale i mean that's huge um, man just to know, have that experience just because you know at a fund yeah. of funds i don't think that's commonplace right if there's a decent no code, not at all if there's a decent co-investment arm i guess yes you can get that exposure especially if you and anybody who does go into fund of funds that has that hey it's a good if it's a good move for you then do it um but just yeah going in eyes wide open knowing that you know it can pigeonhole you a little bit um if you don't get some that that type of experience um yeah yeah that's absolutely right and and again i think i would um and i can say from experience like even you know so even at this fund right where um i was around a lot of bright bright people from you know bulge bracket banks um mm-hmm. or or like you know uh, trading desks at, at bulge bracket bank at bulge bracket banks um I, I think i saw maybe maybe one exit to a hedge fund the whole time i was there right um i think like one guy maybe made it to like um maybe a seeding fund as well mm-hmm. but like it was the yield was not not strong so where were people going getting, like mbas and stuff lot of MBAs mm-hmm. um, and it was also a partner track role so I think um, and, and again probably one other thing I should flag is, as a different as a part of the um, part of the differences that made the calculus work in my case is uh, compensation was really strong at this fund of funds relative to most like I was making much more than I had been in banking mm-hmm. um, so I think they tried to create and uh, they tried to work pretty I think they sort of knew that they could um, it would be hard for them to make the exit um, kind of based argument for joining their firm so they tried to really entice you with With monetary quality of life stuff can you do you mind sharing specifically what it was like what your comp was like coming out of the msf to your middle market bank and then specifically at the spend of funds and you can give ranges if you're not comfortable giving exact yeah yeah so i was in like the the 120 to 150 range as a first year analyst Mm -hmm. um which was was pretty good um especially for not in the new york market um at the fund of funds, I would say I, I'm going to say first year analyst, um, 
brought in between 215 and 250. Yeah, it's impressive. So wow, that's a lot. For, for a fund of funds, that's, that's probably at least top decile, right? So I think, again, anyone who's listening to this and yeah, don't expect that. Do don't expect that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, 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 uh, not market for sure. Cool. Okay, so now that makes sense. They're they're kind of their top fund of funds. They want to attract good talent, so they're paying for it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, okay, and so you're there. Yeah, continue. So you get you're getting that co-investment experience, and then what? So then, um, and this is again where. Uh, maybe a big part of the emphasis I want to have for this is that uh, it's, it's sort of always a winding road. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things happened. Um, so number one, uh, we were successful in exiting several of these co-investments, which was great. We made a lot of money and that was awesome. Um, but it didn't look like that, that program was going to be continued, especially not at the same scope. Right. Mm. Um, and so, so I, I sort of already had some early, um, conversations with people about like not necessarily my future but like me expressing some concern because this was the stuff that i really liked right yeah um so that was probably in like like just after the end of my first year Mm -hmm. um and then fast forward about another five months um unfortunately my mom got diagnosed with cancer right which was horrific and really stressful and, and she's still down in florida um, and so the partners who, again, stand up guys, um, approach me and basically say like, look, you know, you definitely need to take some time off, right? We appreciate that. Um, and we will kind of make you an offer. You can either take a paid leave of absence for three months, right? Mm-hmm. Come back, no harm done. You know, you're still on track to get the bonus you're on track to get. Um, or we can just pay you out through the end of the year, right? Mm-hmm. If you think that maybe this is not what you want to do forever. Right. So we'll give you, you know, six months of runway to go figure out, um, you know, your stuff in your personal life and we'll give you a reference wherever you want to go. Right. And you'll have, you'll have time to recruit. Um, How did you feel about that I think when a, they said that to you? What did you what did you think? What was your impression of that? I'm curious. It was I was I mean, to me, I was just really impressed. Right. I think these are people mm-hmm. who, you know, they spent their career doing the stuff that maybe I was not. I, mean, I think a little bit more artfully than this, but, you know, basically saying, nah, I don't want to. I want to do this forever. Right? right, right. So I think for them to respond, um, so number one, I think just 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 the offer of three months paid leave um, for a junior employee, I think that's always pretty stand-up. I think especially for them to recognize, like, look, you know, we want to do right by you and we want, you know, we want to be like fair and honest brokers. So um, if, if you'd rather just sort of, you know, go try and do something else, well, we're going to support you. And re- and they really did that. A lot of people will say that. Um, I think it was unusual that not only did they kind of offer up the reference, which I think would have been kind of par for the course, um, they sort of put the money where their mouth was too. Um, In the sense so like when you needed a I reference, would, they stepped up kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. And, I, yeah. and again, you know, I think they, um, it was important to them that all their ex-employees be referenceable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was part of it too. But I think also, I think they were just like real human beings. Like here's a young kid going through this thing. He doesn't necessarily yeah. know how this is going to, in so like let's let's not make him try to pick between um like come back and be miserable right they didn't they didn't like rushing rushing back or whatever um if if you yeah, wanted more yeah, time to spend with your mom yeah. focused on this stuff with his mom right yeah yeah so tell me what you, what did you decide did you, did you go down to florida did you take this did you take the 
the paid leave, the three months, the six months? What was the decision and what was kind of your thought process in that? Yeah, so my logic was, um, if, so, so so I think I was, I was going to go down to Florida for, for at least the three months, no matter what, right? Yep. I thought about it, gave it some thought. And the the logic from my end was it would be really disingenuous to get that kind of an offer, take it, and come back if I wasn't absolutely sure this is like I wasn't I wasn't trying to make partner at this firm, right? Like if that wasn't my end goal. Right. Um that that felt super unsavory to me to take that offer and then like just keep recruiting, right? So these people are trying to do me a solid Got um, it. and so I should either I should either sign up for the long haul or, or kind of get out with Do you feel good. did you feel a little pressure from that? Like that offer, the fact that like it was almost forcing your hand to make that decision prematurely? Like in the sense of like you could have left after taking that offer, but it just would have looked bad. Yeah, I think. I mean, to me, I had already like again. You had um, already started recruiting. You know, it sounds like so. I started looking. I started thinking about. I definitely had some like like very preliminary conversations. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna loop it back to, um, you know, wait, you know, years prior. But right when when I kind of got into this, I really had these visions of either doing kind of VC or. Or being some kind of like early stage company CFO, right? Right. I was going to leverage that all that all that banking experience that I didn't really get um, to do that, right? So to me, I was sort of I was in the mindset of this is a once in a life op- lifetime opportunity to really just like go and pursue this like full steam ahead, not necessarily be distracted um, by by you know working in this environment and all right. this other stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go home. Um, you know, my mom. Luckily, made a really full recovery. Thank God. Um, so then I, I yeah, exactly. And so um, at that point, you know, started started sending out the resume and having having calls, and you know, like a month and a half later, was was working at a venture capital firm. That's crazy. So um, yeah, so you had kind of already started that process. Was it something where when you went home? Was it something that like you continued down there, and like, or was it already kind of? you had already like the final rounds teed up like what was the amount of work you had to do going home with that stress of being with your mother and that 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 whole thing in your family and helping out there like was yeah it- i mean so i would say i took a full month of, of doing nothing i i really try I, I really like i didn't know how this thing was going to turn out right and i just i just i just told people that um pretty candidly and you know that that was a personal choice on, on my part yep um and it was it was it just had to do with I didn't want to be like the jerk um, running around on the phone yeah. trying to hold interviews <laughs> yeah, while no, while everyone else is like you know busting people to and from hospitals like that 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 didn't feel right to me. Yep. No, that's fair. And so you did the right thing. You stood, and then like you kind of started getting going again um, once things you know put in some helped your mom a little bit yeah and helped your family and then and i should be and i should be clear when i said a month and a half i meant after like i i spent um, a little more than a month down in florida and like for that i was like just totally down there and, and yeah like, basically like I, I maybe checked email or something but like i, I basically did of course little yeah or nothing so on the recruiting front yeah and so um so, so then wh- i came back up to new york came back up to my apartment oh you did um, okay you came and back that's, okay and and the one the, the month and a half is from like that point got it and so at that point you had so you had just taken the three the six months basically you had a, a good amount of runway um yeah still. yeah yeah so i got i think that was um that was important right especially you know I'm, i was paying new york city rent and all that stuff so i think yep. being like incomeless would have been painful did you um, have roommates and at that point or no uh I was splitting rent with my then girlfriend now fiance. So oh, um, 
it, it was it was uh um, doable yeah so like yeah it was doable and i made it work and you know again I, like it was base and bonus so it wasn't like a um you know i was it, it wasn't um the financial pressure was not that great i mean yeah you always worry about like what if i get to the end of six months and don't have anything right um but i think there was there was no real acute pressure on that front got it so okay so tell me a little bit about that whole recruiting process and how you ended up where you're at yeah i think um so a couple things um helped me make that transition because I, I will be honest with you of all the of all the of all the sort of difficult recruiting um hoops i've had to jump through mm-hmm. the one to get into vc was easily the worst um there's just not that many opportunities yep. and um like the good ones are really hotly contested and the bad ones are like often like really bad and this is like low pay and and maybe you're not doing stuff that even kind of feels like vc um they call it a vc analyst you're not really doing you're just an admin a glorified (laughs) admin or something yeah Yeah, exactly right so like i said and and, you know it's a great starting point and you know uh, no 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 offense to anyone who's who's gonna make that (laughs) kind of make that work for them down the road Mm -hmm. but uh you know at this point i you know it's four years into my career i did i did not want to I knew I wouldn't be happy if I went into a role and was just kind of like shuffling papers around. For sure. Um, so, so it was a painful process, and I, I'll be I'll be candid about the fact that I was sort of um, dual tracking, like like VC was sort of the the end all be all, but I was I was actively, um, you know, trying to trying to hit up startups and say like, look, I can do, you know, maybe maybe you need to like strategic finance associate, like maybe there's something we can make happen here, right? Dude, you um, should have so been in I touch with me at the time. Well, we I don't think we had the talent oasis <laughs> then, but we have a lot of strategic finance associates at startups. We have a lot of those roles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it can be a, that can be a good role, and maybe we'll talk more about this once I get down to, um, you know, once we get kind of through the history. Yeah. Um, but uh, so so I was sort of dual tracking, right? And I would be I'll be candid about the fact that like my hit rate with even like first rounds for VC was like abysmally low. I just it was. It was just difficult. I didn't. I didn't have any of the right kind of hallmarks of. of you know, it's not like I'm with some wizard coder. It wasn't like I had a PhD, um, and it wasn't even like I spent a lot of time on the on the like early stage stuff. Oh, I could I tell you, you wouldn't make the cut um, based on the fact <laughs> that you were a banker and then fund of funds. Like immediately, a lot of VC funds will be like, no, yeah, they have to show startup. They have to be an accelerator or a startup founder or you know like you said phd or some crazy you know whatever so like yeah you being a banker is almost like a negative um it can it can be a negative for people who are like aren't looking for those finance oriented people they want the people who are like all about startups and um that whole ecosystem it's different you know yeah 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 and even if and i and again just trying to make this valuable for the listeners um the number the other thing i would say is like even if you have banking experience don't like that that should not be um your focus like that, that that should not be what you yeah let's not be what you like lay out in front and center during the interview right like it should basically be a way of you like you know that should be some some faint signaling about work ethic but um don't 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 try to like connect that to capital raising process and be feeling because it's not the same 90 times 90 times yeah um so yeah, so I basically, so I was able to leverage basically my WashU network um, here. So that was a big, big component of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also lucky that the place that I landed, we have a pretty flexible mandate. So while I would say um, you know, something like 80 to 90% of our portfolio is um, 
maybe not let's say 70 to 80 percent of our portfolio mm-hmm. is uh like series c or earlier um we have this weird thing where we do a little bit of um like co-investing alongside uh like growth equity mm-hmm. style private equity shops um so i think there was maybe more relevance for my banking background right. than you would have seen at a at a typical um bc firm yep and so that that was sort of that helped me get in the door. There was a, there was a lot of WashU um, connectivity at the firm, so that yep. helped a lot. Um, and then you know, sort of my thesis, I had been I had been genuinely targeting um, you know healthcare, and I think having a personal story around why why I understood um, sort of the, the brokenness of our current of our healthcare system currently, um, given the recent experience with my mom at the time, helped a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Because you could speak to it, personal experience and it yeah. connected. Yeah, yeah. And so I had some passion, and, and so that I think kind of pushed pushed things over the top for me. Cool, man. So uh, what's next for you? What's the what's the plan? So you've been doing investments there for you've been there for about a year and a half, right? And so um, you've been doing investments. Um, have you? How many have you done? Mostly, it sounds like mostly healthcare, right? Any like? Yeah, yeah. And so. Yeah. yeah. Have you enjoyed it? So I've enjoyed it. It's been actually an awesome opportunity. I, I've been lucky to work at a place where I think, um, you know, there's, a, there's this, like being a VC associate can mean a lot of things. Some places it means like you're at the desk on your phone, kind of cold calling CEOs mm-hmm. all day. Um, and some places it means like you, you basically maybe write some memos and build a, a liquidation model or a return, return model. Um, in some places, it means like you're really there through the thick and thin of it. Um, I'm lucky enough to be in the third bucket, um, so have you know, actively worked on some sourcing, have done some, um, you know, I've done some processing of new opportunities at the initial stage on my own. Have you know ran as a, like a part of a two-person team through uh, you know three completed transactions and several that we got kind of close to, and you know have have a couple live right now. Um, so lucky that I was sort of at a, a you know, um, a lean shop where we're all kind of expected to pitch in on everything. And so I've, have been able to kind of have a, have a first row seat, um, for a lot of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, as far as in the boardroom, um, positioning with potential, um, syndicate partners, uh, all that stuff. So experience has been great. Um, it's structured as a two to three year and out program. Yep. Um, so I am, I am sort of starting to have the early inklings about what's next for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think probably most attractive to me would be to go to um, one of two places. Uh, kind of like a name brand VC shop would be great. Maybe with something that does healthcare plus some like enterprise tech that's mm-hmm. a space that i find super interesting and i think there are um there's a, there's a case to be like some a lot of the deals i've i've been working on here have been it um and so you know whether your enterprise is a kind of typical enterprise or a hospital there's some um there's some applicability to what i've been doing um, on the it side that, that would be true if it was a non-healthcare mm-hmm. um organization yep um so i think i think that's that would be exciting. I think equally exciting if I could find the right role um, and, and finding the right roles in this particular area is tough, but um, like a, like a really like a senior ish kind of um, operating role. So something like a, like a, like an actual value add chief of staff, 
um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe like, finance, a, like, a, or like something. a product manager, if that was, you know, if that was, if it, if it was the right kind of startup. Or like pre-series um, A or series A or earlier or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Cause I think later than that, I don't think, I don't think even now I have the experience to really be value add in that kind of role, yep. but somewhere where I could sort of, um, wear a lot of hats. Oh, you know, obviously there's some things I can speak to directly as far as narrative crafting and fundraising, um, where I could bring value day one, but I haven't gotten to have a whole lot of operating exposure in my time. And so I think it'd be, it'd be pretty cool to, um, um, you know, build some real true domain expertise from the inside. For sure, man. That's cool. One thing before we wrap it up, it's, it's gone longer than most, but, uh, I'd love to hear (laughs) any, no, it's good. We love, I love it. Um, anything specifically, any one piece of advice you would have given your younger self or to the listeners that you want to kind of leave them with? If you can look back on your career and say, Hey, you should have done this, or do you feel like all your steps were the right ones? Yeah. I, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll two quick things, one specific to my journey. And then one's like the, the piece of advice that I think is um, least frequently given to people mm-hmm. um, that are sort of playing the recruiting game. Um, as far as my personal story goes, um, I think the key is I wish I had just like loosened up and relaxed a lot of it. A lot of it, like it came through pretty early on in this call, but like, the rushing through undergrad um, and and just sort of this this constant urgency and what's next um, mm-hmm. that that's very much a young man's game and you'll be like shocked how most people will be shocked at how quickly um, your stamina for that kind of runs out and so you need to like what you're doing right now um, and and so focus on like make sure make sure that's true first and then and then start thinking about the next step. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that the piece of information that I, I try to pass on to people that I think is um, valuable for almost anyone that's doing recruiting is uh, to sort of pace yourself. And what I mean by that is, like, I always tried to pick, like, um, a dedicated time during the day, like, usually before work if I was working, um, and maybe, like, only an hour and a half to do um, recruiting-related, like, outbound or, or communication. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, obviously, interviews, you kind of have to schedule as you can. Um, but and to keep it to just that, um, and the main reasons for that are uh, sort of a stamina argument, and then also um, like you always learn a ton during these recruitment cycles, um, regardless of how experienced you are. Like your narrative will have changed since the last time you did this. Yeah. Um, and so your ability to to craft that narrative requires there being kind of gaps between calls. Like if you're just trying to do calls at night, like yeah, you get better. Off, right, you get better as you yeah. go. You just it's just natural, like right, like your first five interviews you have maybe you haven't recruited in two years. You're a little rusty, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And the problem is, is if you if you spam out a hundred things and it's like and the top hundred, yeah, and it's the top hundred ones that you're only your only universe, then you waste it, right? Yeah, when you're yeah. not as polished. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Yep, pace yourself polish yourself as you go ideally before you're into the into the big ones that matter the most but um cool man well thanks so much and thanks to you my listeners at wall street oasis if you have any suggestions whatsoever please don't hesitate to send them my way patrick at wallstreetoasis.com and until next time